following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Tuesdays on the Huge Show across Michigan are brought to you by the Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Book your getaway today at SoaringEagleCasino.com and also download the Eagle Access app. And they now have live sports wagering inside the Ascend Sportsbook and nightclub inside Soaring Eagle in Mount Pleasant. And if you want to get an update and buy tickets to all the great indoor shows, find out about the promotions and the giveaways, go to SoaringEagleCasino.com and download that Eagle Access app. Tuesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the incredible Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. We are back live across Michigan, hour number three on a Tuesday get-together. Superfly Hayes is our executive producer, one of the best in the business. Just joining us, a lot of conversation about Michigan's impressive start to this basketball season that nobody saw coming. Zero expectations, picked in the bottom third of the Big Ten. Wondering where this team was going. Well, guess what? They've looked really good. Martelli can coach. As I open the show with, is Martelli a better coach than Juwan Howard? I mean, Juwan hired him to sit right next to him. It'll be interesting when you get Juwan back compared to Martelli. That's what people do for a living. They compare. Right? You compare. That's how you do it. We talked about Michigan State and Duke tonight. Big game for Izzo and the Spartans. They can't go get blown out or not be able to throw it in the ocean. They need someone to step up and be a consistent shooter. They really do. And you need to play the young guys. Nothing against the returning dudes. But not having a guy that can knock down threes and give you five or six in a game at times like Hauser could, they miss that. We discussed the Lions. Interesting to hear Frank Schwab from Yahoo.com. He's right there with Romo and Nan said he wouldn't be shocked if the Lions are in the Super Bowl. CBS Sports, NFL Power Poll. Lions are number three behind the Eagles, Chiefs. And I think because they got blown out at Baltimore, if they had that W back, they'd be pushing for number one right now. If they would have won at Baltimore, they'd be the number one team in the NFL. What they did Sunday was amazing, but also there are some flaws. Defensive line, red zone, both offense and defense. Long-range kicker because going for it on fourth down is awesome to watch. But eventually when you get into the playoffs, that could come back and bite you, but As Dan Campbell told the team, hey, wins are tough in the NFL. Celebrate it. I trust Campbell and his staff to address what they need to do. If you think about it, even the egg last year at Carolina, they came right back and had a great game. You haven't seen in this run where I think they're, what, 16-4 and over the last 20? You haven't seen a lot of bad back-to-back games. I don't think any at all. Jeremy Reisman, Pride of Detroit Lions NFL Insider. He is standing by in the Roast Umber Coffee guest sign. How you doing, my man? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Um, what, what would be the 
cool positives you take. Obviously, the win would be first and foremost out in L.A., uh, but slight concerns you have coupled with what you really like about this team right now. Well, I think first and foremost, um, you, you have to be pretty excited about the fact that the Lions can go head-to-head with maybe a, a top-five quarterback in this league and, and a really good passing offense and, and win a shootout. Um, I think, to me, I, I, I throughout, I think, Jared Goff's time here in Detroit, I had questioned whether he could really survive one of those shootouts, um, whether he could go toe-to-toe with, with someone that most people agree is um, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, because that's what you might have to do in the playoffs, right? There are a lot of shootouts that happen in the playoffs and you're going to have to go up against the best of the best quarterbacks. And the Lions proved they could do it. They proved they can go on a game-winning drive with three minutes left. Um, that matters. Um, of course, the other side of the coin, too, is that you are going to have to face some really good passing offenses when you get to the playoffs, and the Lions defense showed that they still have a ton of work to, to go there um, in terms of coverage, in terms of pass rush, in terms of a lot of things that aren't going right in terms of the pass defense. And really, some of those were issues that they've been having all season. So. I don't think uh, anyone who came into uh, this game against L.A. with, with concerns about the pass rush, with concerns about their coverage, uh, came away thinking anything but, yeah, those are real concerns. Yeah, and in the defensive line, you can just adjust rotations. You can scheme it up. Uh, they're not going to be able to bring in any bodies uh, right now. What, what would you do to have Hutch be more of an impact in the backfield on sacks and TFLs? Yeah, it's, it's not really an easy fix. And, and really, we have seen the Lions move around some guys and, and change personnel a little bit. They got Josh Paschal, their, their second-round pick from last year, more playing time last week. They're starting to blitz Alex Anzalone a lot, and that's actually something that I think they've found a little bit of success with. Um, but I think ultimately what they're going to need to do is really just have some of those other guys start winning their one-on-ones. Um, you know, opposing offensive lines are not going to give more attention to guys that aren't deemed threats. Um, they, they're going to need more out of guys like Romeo Okwara, Charles Harris, um, Julian Okwara, um, if, if they're really going to free up Hutchinson, because there's really only so much you can do. You, they, they try standing him up. They try running him on twists and stunts and putting him on either side. And, um, you know, offenses pay attention to that sort of stuff. When, you, when you're getting basically half of your pressures from one guy, he's going to draw a lot of attention no matter where you put him. Matchup with the Bears on Sunday. Bears are they they've been squirrely, if I can use yeah. that word, where they'll hang with teams more than you expect and then they'll just lay complete dog four quarters uh, performances. But with the addition of Sweat, I, I think they're better defensively. Yeah, they're they're getting there. And and really their run defense is, is among the best in the league, which kind of poses an interesting matchup with the Lions running game playing better than maybe it's ever played. Um, So I I think that's kind of an interesting matchup. Um, Obviously the Lions have had issues with mobile quarterbacks and it looks like maybe Justin Fields is coming back this week. So um, that presents another challenge, you know, and and listen, I think all these divisional matchups are always kind of unique, always a little bit tougher than they might look like on paper, even though the Lions have been fantastic. I think they've won six divisional games straight. So, um, I, I would never overlook an opponent like Chicago because they're also really young and, and young teams tend to get better as the season goes on. So even though they only have three wins, I don't think this is just going to be a walk in the park for Detroit. His name is uh, Jeremy Reisman. I didn't forget it, but I was just 
uh, looking at uh, a highlight of the Lions on my computer. Uh, Pride of Detroit, uh, again, I'm distracted by this team. When God, when they're playing well, it, it really is a great feeling uh, that following week. Uh, Lions and the Bears on Sunday. Then the short turnaround, and then a part of the schedule that actually begins with the Bears on Sunday, Jeremy, where th- there's a good chance this team could be 11-2. and two. Man. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of unbelievable to to say out loud, but yeah, it's it, it's it's right there in front of them, and you know, with Minnesota applying some pressure um, from behind, I, I think I think the lines know that they have to kind of follow that route. They kind of need to make sure they take care of these ball games because Minnesota has just as easy of a schedule, and and if they don't take care of their P's and Q's, suddenly those last three games of the season where they play the Vikings twice uh, could be you know very very high stakes, and I think the lines need to just make sure they take care of business, but you're right. I mean, there, there's not a lot of good teams ahead of them. There's not a lot of good quarterbacks ahead of them, which is really what the Lions have struggled with the most this year. And so as long as they kind of play their football, stay relatively healthy, I don't see any reason why this team can't be 11-2. and two. And I haven't, I haven't dug into the, the history machine yet, but I have to imagine that hasn't happened in, in, in quite some time. So, Jeremy, if you were naming the Lions MVP, this would be, it seems to be golf, but there are many options. You know, when you look at uh, what uh, St. Brown is doing, when you look at the impact of Montgomery when healthy of the O-line, I mean, I I just, uh, the depth of contributors to the Lions on a weekly basis is unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah. It, it really is, and and it. I think I think really on Sunday you saw the peak of that because you, you have everyone fully healthy. You have an offensive line that I think you're very very comfortable with going forward, and everyone made a p- big play in that game. Basically, every offensive weapon touched the ball and, and, and made a big play, except for maybe Josh Reynolds. Like I would even say, Jameson Williams made an impact or two on, on the game, even though he only caught two passes. Um, but if you yeah, ask, you're talking MVP, honestly. I, Jared Goff is the easy answer. I would say Panay Sewell is just as acceptable of an answer because that guy is just, I mean, did you hear Joey Bosa's name called all game on no, Sunday? No, uh, Khalil Mack, not much either. Um, and that's, that's no easy test. Those guys were, were demolishing some defenses or some offenses early in the year. And um, he's also so important to, to what the Lions do in the run game. I think they were averaging over 10 yards a carry when they ran to Panay Sewell's side in that game. So it just goes to show you how much he is part of the offensive game plan and how quickly he can dismantle a pass rush almost single-handedly. Jeremy Reisman, proud of Detroit Lions NFL uh, insider. I was looking at, I think it was CBS Sports, they had you know, the percentage of uh, chances of NFL teams to make the playoffs or uh, to win the division, and the Lions are like 86% to win the division, 98%. Uh, to make the playoffs, I, I keep using the phrase uncharted territory on what we're all navigating. The one thing lurking out there, though, is how well the Vikings have played really after the start of the season with Cousins and now with Dobbs. Yeah, and and obviously there's a lot of uh, attention on Dobbs, and, and there should be. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal story, and, and they are putting up a lot of points offensively. But I think really the reason that Minnesota is so much more of a threat this year than maybe they were last year or even earlier in the season, is that that defense is very much turned around thanks to defensive coordinator Brian, Brian Flores, who got hired this offseason. Um, they're, they're stopping teams. They're, they're, they've got a kind of a, a vicious run defense. Their, their pass rush 
still has a guy like Daniil Hunter that, that, that can uh, make opposing quarterbacks his days very, very long. And they're just a more well-rounded team, and, and you consider that they're eventually probably going to get some guys back, including Justin Jefferson, that I, I don't think you can overlook this team. And, and I don't think Josh Dobbs is necessarily you know, a, you know, anywhere near where, where Kirk Cousins was on that offense, but I think you have good enough coaching in Kevin O'Connell that, that they're going to keep their head above water. They're, they're running the ball better than they were last year. And so it's, it's a team that's just going to be a nuisance. Um, and, and the Lions might have to take care of business for at least one of the two games that they have in between each other. And, and there's also a distinct possibility that they face each other in the playoffs, too, with the way things are kind of carving out right now, which would be quite odd for them to play the, play the Vikings three times in four weeks. But um, it's something that, that I think actually could happen. Well, Dom's running. You know, somebody asked me, a buddy, I think Sunday, when we were watching the games, why Why are the Vikings, why is Dobbs doing so well? And I said, because he's freelancing and he can run. And running quarterbacks, A, running quarterbacks have always bothered the Lions uh, in my lifetime. And B, yeah. uh, defensive units, when plays break down and you got a quarterback that can run 18 yards for a touchdown or eight to get you a first down, really help. Even Herbert uh, the other day in the Lions win over the Chargers, the way he was able to get away from Lions defenders, that 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 bothered me. It did. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an extra level of stress on the defense that's hard to deal with. The Lions struggle with it, but so do 31 other teams, honestly. It's, it's, it's tricky. Um, it, you have to devote one extra player to watching the quarterback, and that takes one player away from coverage, or that takes one player away from pass rush. Um, it's, it's not an easy thing to deal with, and and maybe, you know, things settle down with Josh Dobbs a little bit. Maybe teams kind of start to figure out a way to, to make him uncomfortable in a way that doesn't result in him scrambling for 20 yards. But it's something that I think that translates to the NFL maybe a little bit more than some of the passing stuff. So I guess it's not that surprising to me to see that part of his game really thrive early in his Vikings career. But, but yeah, you're right. This is something that the Lions need to deal with. And, and they're going to get practice with Justin Fields this week and, um, even to a lesser extent, someone like Jordan Love can do a little bit of that stuff too. So hopefully that's enough practice to get them ready for uh, a Vikings team that's, that, that is going to be a threat this year. Jeremy Reisman, Proud of Detroit. You can follow him, Twitter, uh, Proud of Detroit Online, uh, great uh, Lions information. So we sit here and we're into the second week of November. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to middle of January, what will we be talking about when it comes to the Lions? Well, I mean, I, I hope it's a home playoff game, at least, at the very least. Uh, it seems like that's, that's the minimum of expectation right now with this team is uh, we're going to see a, the first playoff game in, wow. in Detroit Lions history in, at Ford Field, um, which is, uh, again, just something that it, it takes a while to kind of reflect on and, and believe and rub your eyes and make sure you're not dreaming, but... Um, yeah, that's that's what this team should absolutely be be headed for. And if you're hosting a home playoff game, well, that certainly means you should probably win that one too. You're going to be the higher seed, obviously. And I mean, with the way the schedule looks, with the way the lines are playing right now, we could even be talking about a first round bye. Now, I, I'm not getting too far ahead of myself, but the Eagles have a really tough schedule ahead of them, especially in these next particular three or four games. And the Lions have a much easier way, and so um, it's I, I personally don't think that the Lions are a better team than the Eagles, but with the way things have lined up, they could finish ahead of them in, in a very realistic way. So, um, yeah, then we're talking postseason football, and, and, mm. and we're, we're seeing um, whether the Lions can truly hang with, with the best teams in the NFL. 
Jeremy Reisman, proud of Detroit. My man, thank you so much. Of course, no problem. John Beeline's coming up next. We'll talk hoops here on The Huge Show. From Grand Rapids to Detroit, this show is huge. It's time to go in the huddle with Tim Stout. It's a new day to celebrate and be free. It's a new day full of excitement because it's a new day for winning only at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. It's a new day only at SoaringEagleCasino.com. Ten games down and two to go to complete a difficult Michigan State football season, which has now clinched a third losing season in the last four years and two in a row. And as it is, the Spartans are four-and-a-half-point underdogs for the noon game Saturday at Indiana, a team that beat Michigan State in double overtime in East Lansing a year ago. We know one thing, Kaiten Hauser is going to be the quarterback as long as he is healthy through these final two games because freshman Sam Levitt is determined to redshirt out through the end of the year, and there's another quarterback or two behind him to keep him on the sidelines. Where he plays next year, who knows? The Spartans now have lost seven of the last eight games after Indiana, it's Penn State in a very tough year. Huge here for all the Mr. Car Wash locations across Michigan. You're going to want to look into that unlimited monthly pass that I use. Superfly Hayes, my producer, uses it. I can get my SUV washed as often as I like for one low price. You can sign up today. Just go to MrCarWash.com or stop by your local Mr. Car Wash location here in Michigan for the one close to you. And to get that unlimited to pass, go to MrCarWash.com. What are you looking for in a career? What are you looking for in your pursuit of happiness and satisfaction? Let's answer those questions by answering this one. What are you? If you're selfless, courageous, dedicated, disciplined, and humble, your happiness and satisfaction may be in a new career in law enforcement. Visit michiganpolicechiefs.org today or simply walk into your local police department and start the conversation. You may find the answer to all of your questions. Van Andel Institute Purple Community is a grassroots fundraising network powered by the dedicated volunteers who support VAI's mission to improve human health now and in the future. When you raise funds through the Van Andel Institute Purple Community, 100% of the proceeds go directly to the Institute's research into diseases like cancer and Parkinson's, as well as VAI science education programs. Learn how you can get involved at purplecommunity.org. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Let's go check in with former Michigan coach John Beeline each and every week. We talk hoops on The Huge Show with JB. How you doing, my friend? Good, Del. Uh, Michigan's win last night, uh, 89-73. They're 3-0 start. Uh, no Juwan Howard as he recovers from that offseason heart procedure. Phil Martelli has the Wolverines playing inspired basketball. Rick Patino's return to the Garden last night. I know it's not a St. John's team that is going to the Final Four, but the way Michigan has played the first three games, as I said yesterday, John, has been a pleasant surprise. Yeah, it's really uh, fabulous the way they're scoring points. Uh, I think I was talking with uh, some Michigan people today, and I, I asked them to go back and say, when do you remember that a team scored over 83 games in a row? 
uh, at any time. And, and uh, I believe they'd gone back to the 13th season where we went to the national championship game that we did that. This is It's really hard to score in college basketball, and uh, they're just making it look easy right now. Great tempo. And, of course, you can't have great offense if you don't have great defense because you got to get stops, fast breaks. So that was – I don't think St. John's is a is – is everybody's new. It's a hard roster to do, and I, uh, and I just think that St. John's is probably a little overrated. Rick's got to coach him up first. But Michigan was fabulous last night, and they have been every game. Yeah, McDaniel, just as Rick Pitino said afterwards, uh, he just took over the game. I think he finished with 26, seven assists, five boards. That's old school coach beeline roster numbers. Oh. Well, you know, we had we had point guard you going there for a while with Darius Morris passing on to Trey Burke, right, who then uh, passed it on to Derek Walton, who passed it on to Xavier Simpson. And looks like uh, Doug McDaniel is very much along that pass first point guard who can shoot, he can score. And it's amazing when you pass first how many points you score because the ball comes back to you. That was really impressive last night, the way he's taking care of the ball. He's shooting it, getting to the foul line. Um, but also, you got to look at Burnett's first-half performance was great. He, he didn't score in the game before, and he, he didn't score in the last half last night. So I'm a little concerned about that. But they, got, they have an old team. They really have an old team with a, a lot of guys that have played in a lot of different schools, but they're in their fourth or fifth year. That makes a big difference. Uh, what about uh, Martelli and the style he brings? Is he just running off of what Juwan Howard wants to do? And Martelli has the experience during his run at St. Joe because I, I just like the rotation. I like the vibe. I like the flow. And, again, I didn't see this 3-0 and start coming and winning a big game on the road at the Garden against St. John's. Yeah, well, if you look at Phil's history, tremendous experience coaching you know, an Elite Eight team there with Jameer Nelson back in the day and Delonte West, and uh, he knows how to coach. And uh, this is if there's a guy you want as your guy to take the reins when you're not there, this is the guy. Uh, because, he, he had, frankly, he should be coaching either at St. Joe's or uh, some other place in a high-level conference right now. And uh, But Michigan's lucky to have him. He's really... I'm sure he and Juwan have collaborated on a lot. They've been together three years, four years, so they do. They are going to think a lot. But this team's just playing with something really special. One thing, Phil, that will probably shock you: they don't have too many players. They have just enough. And so when you have a rotation where Doug knows he's going for 38 every night, like Derek Walton or Xavier did, or Trey Burke, it makes you a really good team that you're not worried about keeping people happy. They got good chemistry. That's my early sense. I just was going to say that, that basically it's a seven, maybe stretch eight man rotation. Meanwhile, Patino trying to keep transfers happy and everything. He's rotating in uh, 12 guys. And I agree with you. I think to keep people happy can really hurt game flow. And that's the one thing I've seen through these first three victories. Again, I'm not declaring Michigan a Big Ten potential champion or a deep NCAA tournament run. But when you do shorten that rotation and you have dudes in shape and know how to pace themselves 
in game, that can be a huge plus for a college team. But we talked about this, I think, with the NBA. Is that was the most difficult part for me? Is how do you get how do you, how you can make your rotation bigger? And this is it's good. I remember we or we lost to you know Jay Wright's Villanova team in the championship team in eighteen. Then we played them again in nineteen. In in their place, opened up that building, and it was like Jay called me afterwards. What the hell happened? We won like seventy to forty. And it was like, Jay, you got too many players. You have too many good players. <laughs> you try to keep. You're going to have to keep everybody happy. I said, we just got enough guys who know that who are all who are stars in their roles. And this, you may be looking at that right now with Michigan. John Beeline, former head coach at Michigan, NBA coach, senior advisor. His last go around with the Pistons. Now you'll see John on the Big Ten Network on weekend coverage once they hit. Uh, conference basketball actually before that well the conference does start uh, their short conference schedule uh, in the month of December he'll join us every Tuesday on the huge show across Michigan if you ever want to drop a college basketball or a Pistons question uh, add huge show on Twitter the huge show on Facebook or on the Mercantile Bank listener line at 1-866-838-4843 so the Michigan Fan is pleasantly surprised. That's my phrase of the day with that 89-73 win and a 3-0 start. Uh, Michigan State tonight, huge reset game for Izzo and the Spartans. They were number four in America in most polls. Got shocked by James Madison at home, but James Madison isn't a bad basketball team. But now they got the Champions Classic and Duke tonight. Uh, Duke isn't the same team. Uh, that most would think uh, actually losing at home at Cameron Indoor in their last go-around. Your thoughts on the matchup tonight with the Spartans? Well, I, I don't care who Michigan State's playing. They're two for 31 from three this year. Mm. I mean, imagine if they've played two games and only two guys have made a shot. And they, uh, Walker's one for seven and Holloman's one for four. I've never seen anything like that. So, I don't care who they're going to play. They're good. Tom, I'm sure, wants they make shots so they can get some spacing. But if they don't do that defensively, it's easy to guard when everybody can give a guy a step and just contest the shot and not have to go out and really get after him and create lanes. So um, that's the one thing that they, I mean, I'm sure that they have to fix here that uh, there hasn't been a team in a long time that was good in March that, that, could not absolutely shoot the ball. They're better than this, but they're going to have to make some against Duke tonight. Yeah, Izzo, uh, sometimes a loss. I know it's early in the season. In college basketball, you can always make the climb back, John, but uh, in your coaching days, have you ever had what you would call, not in the tournament or in the Big Ten, but a non-conference loss that you could use that propelled your team through the season that maybe Izzo uh, could point back to that James Madison loss at home. Uh, yeah, I think it will come. It'll be very good for them when, especially when they get into the league and they're playing somebody that's a bot. They'll be at the top of the league eventually, but they uh, play a body fitter, bottom feeder in the league, and they'll they'll remember, hey, this is uh, you know this team's better than James Madison, or they can reference that. Time. Not the day of the game. I never want to do that the day of the game. I want them to have confidence, but. Maybe as the two days prep, he mentions it a few times if they're playing somebody that is not uh, highly rated. 
Now, they don't have any chance. They don't have any problem getting up for tonight's game, certainly. And, uh, but it, it's, um, it, th- those losses, and uh, you can't have too many losses in November because it really hurts not only your you know, um, resume, but the whole league's resume goes down with some of those things. So um, I'm, not, I'm not super high on the Big Ten yet because I think they've had some non-conference losses that, are, that normally don't happen. But they got to correct that here in November and December if they want to be regarded as a, as a league with really good teams. John Beeline, former head coach at Michigan, will join us every Tuesday on the Huge Show as we'll talk hoops. Uh, Purdue looks like the best team in the Big Ten. It was projected that way before the season started. Quality W against Xavier. Your thoughts on the Boilermakers and the rest of the Big Ten early? Well, I think that, that they're they're out there as a team that is uh, going to be good because now they – I thought they were good last year, but they had very young guards last year, and I, it's hard to trust young guards in a tournament. It really is. They, they almost got to get there to experience it. And uh, but right right now, I mean, them going uh, the, the the Purdue certainly has you know with the big guys Zach and and it just uh, lawyer and these guys they've been through it now. And it's just so hard for other teams to defend them at any time because they're so unusual when very few teams throw it into the big guy anymore and they throw it in there like crazy. I've made this quote maybe to you before. If I was coaching and my son was seven foot and I, I would send, I said, don't come play for me. Go play for Matt Painter at Purdue because that, he's the best at getting the ball to the big guy. And they do. It's very different for people. So um, they're going to be good again without question. But uh, I, the, the, the teams that are usually there at the end, you know, the Wisconsin, you know, is, is going to be there. Indiana's off to, I mean, they look okay. Um, it, it, Minnesota, Nebraska are all rebuilding still. I mean, it's still going to be hard uh, for teams. I, I got to, I know that Iowa's lost some guys. They're, you know what, Bill? There should be no ratings in November. They, they just should not be there. Make your first ratings like January 1 after everybody's completed non-conference. Then you'll know who the good teams are. But we still got to see more from all of them. Go on the road. When you start playing on the road, now we'll find out who you are. John Beeline, uh, his last stop was as a senior advisor uh, with the Pistons, uh, I'm looking at the Pistons at 2-9. and nine. I know we talked a week ago. Uh, they're still dealing with some injuries, but there they are with the worst record in the Eastern Conference as we speak. Yeah, it's, um, you know, they, I'd hope they'd be, had a better record so far and they've lost a couple of close ones. Uh, but losing, missing Boyan Bogdanovich for this time, that's 20 points. You just put it in there, that's 20 points. I think I said that last week, and that's a big miss for them right now. Uh, but they're they're and and the same thing having Monte Morris there, having that computer out there is really important. So those two, I think, are are really hurting them. And without Burke, but that's that's NBA basketball now. There's guys out all the time, but they they're I would assume they'll self-correct here somewhere soon. Uh, but that two and nine start is. Meaning, you know, another uh, another sub twenty win season, 
and um, that we can't they can't have that. They're going to be better than this. Johnny, always love our conversations talking basketball. The Michigan fan is happy uh, with a three and zero start. No signs have been stolen. Uh, everything is up front with that W last night at Madison Square Garden, even with the sounds of the chant, free Jim Harbaugh on the East Coast. Uh, Bill, I'm just telling you, whenever we played in the Garden, we probably played there in 12 years, uh, maybe half a dozen. Well, if you we, at the Big Ten tournament, we played four times in a row. So we played there probably 12 times, 12 games. It's a Michigan home court. I mean, I have not, St. John's came in there with their people. I'm sure there was probably an even split between Michigan and St. John's. And so my son was there. Said Michigan, there was definitely a strong Michigan presence there last night. And um, we got if you check the record over time, we, we have a really good record in Michigan, in Mass Square Garden. And I expect to stay that way. But that was a great win for them. They got to get some more of the schedules, not easy, and get ready for Big Ten. Speaking of the Big Ten, you can look for John Beeline in studio breaking down Big Ten basketball. I think is it what December you start in studio in Chicago? Is that correct? Right now, the schedule is in January, January, February, every weekend. All right, January, uh, February, every weekend. Okay, want to make yeah. sure uh, on the yeah. Big Ten network, correct? Yeah. Yes, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's I got I got to do a lot of studying on the Big Ten because, as you know, the rosters change every year. That let alone since I left for the NBA, but uh, it's all taking you back to college basketball. It's exciting for me, and and I look forward to a good season and being in that studio uh, with the Big Ten Network. They do a tremendous job. I have so much respect now for those of you in the media who follow these things after working for that Big Ten Network one year. A lot of work goes into it. Uh, I'm ready to go. His name is John Beeline, former Michigan coach, former Pistons assistant, senior advisor there in Detroit, now part of the Big Ten Network's coverage. It won't begin in uh, December. It'll be on the weekends, January, February, through the close of the season. John, I look forward to our conversation next week. Every week. It's going to be great. I look forward to it too, Huge. All right. Uh, have a great have a great week. Yeah, back at you, John Beeline, class act on and off the court every Tuesday exclusively here on the Huge Show across Michigan. Everything huge 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. How would you like to win $1,500 in cash from Josh Garvey and his team at Bean Carter Dorn Mayhew Firm? All you have to do is beat my pro football picks and you could be the winner. Get your picks in until early Sunday morning at thehugeshow.net. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We'll talk about Michigan State Duke tonight in the Champions Classic. Kyle Austin, MLive.com, Spartan, Big Ten basketball insider is standing by on the Roast Umber Coffee guest line. How you doing, my man? Doing good, Bill. I'm curious to see uh, what performance we get from Michigan State. Can they finally start hitting that outside shot? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think everybody, that's kind of their first question. I mean, on paper, they, they should be an okay uh, three-point shooting team. Maybe not quite as good as last year, but Tyson Walker's a shooter. 
Um, you know, Malik Hollis had shots before. Jay Nakin had shots before. So um, certainly they're going to be better than the 6.5% that they've hit so far, which is last of all 350 Division One teams. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to take more than that to beat Duke. Uh, I know Duke lost one the other day, but, um, you know, they're going to have to rebound better. I think they're going to need guys like Malik Hall and Jade Nakins and especially A.J. Holgrad, I've probably heard at the top of the list, to, to give them a little bit more. They're going to need more than Tyson Walker dropping 35 tonight. They're going to need a lot of these veterans who have been in these big games before um, to play well to be able to pull this one off. Yeah, Duke opened up the season with a win over Dartmouth, 92-54. They lost to then number 12, Arizona, 78-73 at home. That's a quality loss if there's such a thing as a quality loss, even at Cameron Indoor tonight, 7 p.m. The tip on the Bristol Network at the United Center in Chicago. State did drop to number 18 uh, in the polls. Has Izzo talked about why this team is literally the worst shooting team in America early in the season? You know, he's kind of just chalking it up to, you know, a slump to start the year. You know, he'll say that these guys have shot well in practice, you know, throughout the summer, throughout the fall. Um, and that's really what everybody's saying. But, you know, you look at how this team's changed. It hasn't changed a lot since last year, but they did lose Joey Hauser, who was their best shooter uh, by volume and by percentage. He hit the most and um, hit the biggest percentage of them. So they take a step back there. But I also think that having a shooter like that, in the front court at the fourth spot um, really opens up an offense. And um, I, I think he, he's being able to shoot there and other teams having to guard him to the three-point line. I think that, that made things a lot easier for a lot of guys in the backcourt, for Tyson Walker and for Jaden Aiken and guys like that. I think they got more open shots because Joey Howard was there um, drawing defense into the front court. So I, I think – I think there's kind of a trickle-down effect from him, um, from him leaving. Um, Malik Hall, he's kind of taking his spot. He, he, I mean, he can hit some shots, but he, he's not the shooter that Joey Howard was. So I think, they're, I think they're adjusting. I think they'll find their level eventually. But, um, you know, they, they've got some issues that they didn't have last year. Yeah, and one of the issues, just my observation, and Kyle Austin, MLive.com, Spartan Basketball Insider, joining us talking about Michigan State Duke tonight. Great matchup, 7 p.m. The tip on the Bristol network down in Chicago. I just feel like they have too many guys in their rotation. You know, I'm watching Michigan last night and they basically rotate two, maybe three off the bench. And they seem to have a really good flow the first three games. And I just look at Michigan state and it's like when they get a flow going, uh, I know it's early in the season and Izzo is still trying to find that rotation, but I don't know if you can have a problem of being too deep, but that's my point early on with this team yeah and this has kind of been the the debate for a while right with Izzo um you know a lot of people think he has two bigger rotations you know last year they went smaller then they got a couple guys hurt and all of a sudden they were thin so I, I think he felt like the bigger rotation would give him um some insurance against injury um and you know I, I think they'd like to be able to press a little more to run a little bit more and to basically have more fresh bodies to to roll off the bench and kind of wear teams down. But, you know, that hasn't obviously hasn't really been the case. Um, you know, that didn't work against James Madison. They lost their opener there. Um, um, so we'll see. But, you know, I, I think as time goes on, these freshmen could get a little bit more acclimated and become better um, better rotation members. Um, and and you've you got more options um, this year. So I, um, I, I can see both sides of it. Hey, Probably, practically speaking, as the year goes on, they will probably make it smaller. That's generally how 
how they go once you get into Big Ten play. There'll probably be fewer guys playing and your key guys playing more minutes. But um, for now, yeah, there, there's still a lot to figure out for sure. Kyle Austin, MLive.com, Spartan Big Ten Basketball Insider. Well, what's your early observation on how the Big Ten looks in non-conference play? Uh, not great. Um, you know, you look at uh, you look at Maryland dropping two games early to, to sub um, sub power fives. Um, you know, look at some other teams. You know, Wisconsin lost to one to Tennessee, which Michigan State did too as an exhibition. Um, you know, really the only team that I think to me has outperformed its expectations is Michigan. Um, you know, I'm not sure how good St. John's is going to end up being, but I thought they certainly looked very good last night at Madison Square Garden. Um, so between that and Michigan State losing, uh, Purdue has looked like Purdue. I guess they're, they're meeting expectations, but um, it's probably too early, you know, a week into the season to start drawing any, any conclusions about the league. But, you know, um, for a league that really hasn't lived up to expectations in the last several years, which we've talked about, um, it's the, the early returns are, are not hopeful that this will be the year that they break through. I agree with you on Michigan has been, it's a pleasant surprise. It's not like they've knocked off three ranked teams, but just the way they look compared to last year that they're playing some defense. And I said this in my opening huge opinion is that Martelli's coaching versus uh, Howard. So uh, we'll see that when Juwan returns uh, to the bench. Uh, who is Izzo's best rotation? If if you were his right-hand guy on that bench after the limited action you've seen so far, what would be your rotation? Um, you know, I you start with a starting five. Um, I, you know, I think they've got the right guy starting there. Um, I know some people are down on Malik Hall. I, I think he'll come around on it. Um, you know, past that, um, I, I think Jeremy Fears needs to be in the game. I know he's not doing a lot. Um, on offense for you right now. Um, but I, I think he's defending well. I think he's moving the ball well and pushing the ball in transition. Um, and, you know, Cohen Carr, um, is, he doesn't have really the shooting range yet, but he's a guy that just seems to make a lot of things happen on the court, if that makes sense. You know, he's got a nose for the ball. He finishes really well. Um, he can make those really kind of exciting, game-changing plays. So those are kind of the two freshmen um, I'd have off of there. Um, and then, um, I, I think Trey Holloman's been okay. Uh, we'll see if there's really enough minutes for both him and um, Jeremy Fears going forward. Um, and then Xavier, he's got to defend and rebound and play a little bit harder. Um, but I'd have him in there too. So I guess that's eight, uh, maybe a little bit bigger than you want. But, you know, you bring in a five-star freshman class, you got to find a way to play those guys uh, with the way college basketball is now and give them a chance. I mean, I think we all know what happens when guys don't get the minutes they want. So that's, that's kind of the push and pull, I think, that, that they're dealing with there. One thing I, I said in watching the opening game, that college, the, the good college basketball teams, in my mind, always have a spot-up three-point shooter who can give you those games when they're 7 for 12 or 8 for 11 or at least give you three threes uh, when you're down or you're looking to pull away and they don't have that pure shooter. I know Walker can get hot, but... And I don't think Aikens is in that pure shooter category. He's still a an athletic take it to the rack type of guy. I, I'm I'm surprised there's not one on this roster for Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, and and I guess if you do have a, a criticism of the of the incoming freshman class, you know, they got two McDonald's All Americans and and Cohen Carr. None of them are really a pure shooter. I, I think they all of them are, have some potential, but. 
don't really have a pure shooter. The, the one best shooter they have is Derek Norman, who they're going to redshirt because he's not quite ready yet. Um, I, I think some of the – I do think they have guys who can hit shots. I think some of this is on A.J. Hogard, who, if you've listened to Time Israel talk lately, that's been the biggest thing he's harping on is A.J. Hogard being better, A.J. Hogard being more engaged, moving the ball a little bit better because I, I do think that if they can get the ball in the right spots to the right guys, um, namely Walker and Jaden Aikens, that can unlock some things, and they and they can do it. But I don't think they've I don't think they've quite liked um, how the ball is moving. I think they're still working on doing that, and, and that's what they'll try to do tonight. Kyle Austin, MLive.com, Spartan Basketball, Big Ten Insider, Michigan State Duke tonight, seven p.m. at United Center uh, in Chicago. Kyle, always appreciate the conversation. All right, thanks a lot, Bill. Now remember, if you miss any huge opinion. Interview, hour, or full show. Our podcasts are free, and we are everywhere. Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Podbean, and more. Just search The Huge Show, where you download podcasts and catch up and listen on your schedule. Big. Bad. Huge.